Hello and welcome to this voice tour of Shrewsbury Castle, featuring the one and only Nigel Baker. We're going to start you off at Shrewsbury train station. If you look up to your left, you'll see the castle tower above you. That is your start point. We are then going to move up Castle Street. We are then going to curl around to your left and we're going to be looking at Shrewsbury Castle as we go in. I hope you enjoy this tour. It's fascinating. Thank you. Right, we've just come out of Shrewsbury train station and before we go any further, I think we have to look around, look behind us and look up at the station itself because it's an absolutely fantastic building. Most of it dates from the late 1840s and it's this wonderful Gothic architecture to celebrate the town that it was built in. But one of the really weird things about this station is that it's the only station in the UK where the ground floor, where we're standing, was built after the rest of the building. And what happened was that they, they needed more room. There was a big expansion in 1901-1903. They lowered the station yard, uh, added an extra story on the bottom, doubled the width of the station. So if you wanted to find the original front door, you'd actually have to climb above the glass canopy uh, and bust in through a first-floor window. But anyway, that's not really why we're here today. What we want to uh, see is towering above us on our left... Uh, looking like a real medieval castle, which is, of course, what it is. Because there you can see the Great Hall, uh, so-called, of Shrewsbury Castle, uh, a Norman castle in origin. And this is a really good point to start a, a look at the Shrewsbury Castle because it's towering over you, looking just as it would have done in the Middle Ages, with more than a hint of scariness about it, because Shrewsbury Castle wasn't just another civic building. It was built to terrify the town. It wasn't built to protect the town, first of all. It was built to uh, repress rebellion, and it was built to scare the inhabitants to death. The building we're looking at, everybody calls the Great Hall, but it wasn't really the Great Hall in the traditional sense. Uh, what we're looking at is a private apartment built for King Henry III uh, sometime in the early years of the 13th century, about 1240 thereabouts. Um, and what you have are the windows of his private apartments and a great big defensive tower on each end. And then behind that, you've got the castle proper. But to see more of the castle proper, we're going to have to leave the station yard and turn left and go up the hill uh, and into the town. OK, we've just come round the corner and we're looking up Castle Gates, up the steep slope, looking at the entrance to Shrewsbury. What we have left of the old medieval entrance to the town, you really have to be an archaeologist or a jolly good urban detective to actually figure out. But we're standing in front of the Bull's Head public house and once upon a time this was the main gate into Shrewsbury right across the street in front of the Bull's Head that was demolished in the early 1700s or half of it went in the early 1700s the second half in the early 1800s uh, and there's not much left of it. It was, you know, a heavily fortified gate because Shrewsbury was a fortress town for a good thousand years or thereabouts. 
Um, but the gates created a big traffic situation, so they had to go. But if you look closely at the frontage of the Bull's Head pub, look at the window sills. Bear with me, this sounds crazy, I know. But if you look at the window sills at the far end of the pub, at the uphill end of the pub, look, it's slumping down by a good six inches, 20 centimetres, something like that. And the reason is that underneath our feet is the old town defensive ditch. And when they built the pub, I guess back in about 1800 or thereabouts, the building subsided into the soft fills of the old ditch. So you have this small but perfect clue as to where an important part of the defences of medieval Shrewsbury were. OK, we've come to the top of the slope now, and right in front of us is this very... uh, striking-looking grey stone building, which was the Victorian Chapel of St Nicholas. It's now uh, a restaurant, and it says a martial arts academy as well. Um, But the Victorians replaced a much older chapel, which went back to about 1100, because we are now, although it doesn't look like it, we are already well inside the castle, because there is the inner sanctum of the castle, the inner bailey, you know, where the garrison was, but outside this whole area around the top of Castle Gates, including the Castle Gates Library across the road from us, which is the former grammar school where Charles Darwin went to school, all of these buildings here were in what was called the outer bailey of the castle, which was like a big service area, but it was big enough that it took out about a quarter of the town when it was built by the Normans just after the Norman conquest. But our purpose here is to go and look at the best preserved part of the castle, so we're going to go past, we're going to turn abruptly left at the top of the slope, uh, but in front of the uh, former St Nicholas's Chapel, and looking around and more or less doubling back, we can see the perfectly uh, manicured lawns and flower beds that announce... You know, we've come to, you know, floral Shrewsbury, as it were. And beyond that, we can see the red sandstone walls of the castle in a bailey. OK, we're walking up to the main gate of Shrewsbury Castle. And the first thing you notice is, you know, this high arch with these terrific wooden gates with sort of Jacobean decoration on them, and then walls sticking out either side. Now, thanks to some research which has been done in the last decade or so, we know a lot about when the gates were installed and what these walls either side were about. And basically, they all date to the English Civil War. In fact, from 1643 to 1644, when Charles I's royalists um, had possession of Shrewsbury, and they spent no end of money fortifying the town and refortifying the castle. And we have the accounts for the new front doors to uh, the, the inner bailey here, and they built the walls either side as what they called a barbican, meaning a kind of a defended outwork in front of the front door, and you can look at the walls either side and you can see there are loopholes, basically, you know, small windows just large enough to poke a musket out of uh, to defend the front doors. And if we now walk up to the front door itself and look at the oak of the front doors, you can see it's studded with lots of little semicircular impressions about a centimetre and a half, two centimetres wide. You know, it's peppered with these little 
uh, dense. And what we think these might be are musket ball impacts because uh, the castle remained in royalist hands for a whole nother year after the front gate here was, was um, installed. And then in February 1645, the parliamentarians attacked Shrewsbury or attacked Shrewsbury Castle. They mounted an amphibious raid from across the other side of a river. They had a fifth columnist, as we call it today, basically a spy on the inside to let them through one of the gates. And they got right up to the castle and for a, there was shooting for a few hours but I think that, that shooting, that brief exchange of shots has left a permanent impact on the castle and you can still see where the musket balls were pinging off the oak they probably actually been through yet another layer of defence first because I've been told by a battlefield archaeologist who shoots muskets that the musket balls should have gone straight through. So this is a case for experimental archaeology and this is something that, as I record this, I'm waiting avidly to do, to have a go with a brown best musket and just see, is this really battle damage? And if so, you know, from what range did these musket balls impact? So this is a story to be picked up at a later date. But the next thing to do is to go into the castle itself. So here we are, standing inside Shrewsbury Castle. We're inside the curtain walls and we have this rather magnificent scenery in front of us. Lovely mowed lawn, just beautifully flat, everything manicured, great planting around the inside of the walls. It's really interesting looking red sandstone building over kind of diagonally in front of us. But my problem as an archaeologist is that it's just too nice, it's too pretty, because we have a serious military castle that saw action again and again and again through the Middle Ages, last time in 1645, but there's not a hint of military activity, it's not in the remotest degree scary. It's a very welcoming scene with people sitting in the sunshine, having picnics and admiring the flowers. But as an archaeologist, that's not what it's about. It's supposed to be a military installation. Right, well, what we're doing is we've come through the castle gate, we've admired the scenery in front of us, and we're going to turn sharp right and go up the steps that lead kind of winding up the side of the great earth mound known as the Mott. Uh, now, right now, these are closed to the public because of the COVID emergency, but we've been given special access to do this podcast. So we're going to start uh, ascending the Mott, um, and let's see what it looks like when we get up there. Having come up the ramp, we're now going up the last steps. We've come under an old sandstone arch, and a dozen or so rather uppy-downy kind of steps... And here we are, we're on top of the mott. And we're looking at this flat top with this uh, cobble pavement. And over here on the left, we're looking out towards the east. And I think this has got to be one of the finest views in all of Shrewsbury. And we're admiring it now, leaning on the parapet. And below us, we have Shrewsbury Railway Station. And you can probably hear the noise of a train waiting at Shrewsbury um, Station. And just beyond that is the River Severn, looking very brown because of all the recent rain. 
And beyond that again is Shrewsbury Signal Box, which is one of my favourite ancient monuments in Shrewsbury. It only dates to 1903, but it's the last or the largest manual signal box in the entire world, which is, uh, you know, certainly one up for Shrewsbury. And then beyond that, getting more serious as an archaeologist, you can see the great bulk of Shrewsbury Abbey over in the eastern uh, Abbey Foregate suburb. And then over on our right, we have what's called Laura's Tower, which is this uh, brownie-red sandstone structure. looks like a classic piece of castle architecture, uh, except that it dates to about 1790 and was built by Thomas Telford, the famous Scottish engineer who, as a, as a very young man, uh, had one of his earliest contracts here for the town's uh, then MP, Sir William Pulteney, and he built a summer house on the top of the medieval mott, uh, and it's known as Laura's Tower, in honour of the daughter of Thomas Telford's client. And if we go up to that, we can't go in it at present, which is a bit of a shame, because when you look at the inside, uh, although it's very castle-like on the outside, the inside is very, very delicately finished with a very fine plaster ceiling and Gothic windows in the style that you find in the, in the late 18th century, and is a really, really pleasant structure. But, once again, as an archaeologist, I have to be slightly evil about this and say that one of the things that we found out about uh, Thomas Telford's work in the last year was just how big a vandal the guy actually was. He worked here between 1786 and 1790, and he was transforming the slightly ruinous, uh, rather dark sordid remains of the castle into a kind of up-to-date fancy mansion for the town's MP, we hadn't quite appreciated how much of the original castle he tore down or bulldozed not that they had bulldozers at that time, but anyway um, to make room for his new buildings. So here we are on the top of the mart and we can't really see anything immediately at hand that's earlier than 1790 or thereabouts but let's go and just peer over the parapet uh, just behind Laura's Tower. And if you look over, not leaning too far out, of course, then just below us to the right, underneath Laura's Tower, you can see a big semicircular foundation sticking out, covered in ivy. And that's the base of one of the original 13th century castle towers, which we now know stood perfectly intact, you know, a couple of stories high, until Thomas Telford knocked it down. And looking at some of the old illustrations of Shrewsbury Castle, at the opposite end, where we've come up through the steps, there were ruined buildings there, which I'm pretty well satisfied was the King's Hall, the King's Great Hall, built by Henry III, probably, uh, to go with his private apartments, which is where the Regimental Museum is now. But that, too, was torn down and everything tidied up by Thomas Telford. So, fantastic view, lovely Gothic folly, just a bit of a shame that not much is left of the medieval original up here. 
And over on the other side of the Mott, with our backs to the river now, uh, we're looking over the parapet wall on that side, and we're looking down into the inner bailey, out of which we've just climbed. And what we have opposite us is the, uh, the great red sandstone building, which a lot of people call Shrewsbury Castle, forgetting, of course, that the castle isn't just one building. It's the curtain walls, it's the earthworks, it's the Mott. It's, in fact, this end of the town as a whole. But that's what is often called Shrewsbury Castle. It's now the soldiers of Shropshire Museum. It's fantastic fantastic red sandstone building which we can date really very accurately to the late 1230s because we have the accounts that describe the construction of the king's chamber and a turret at each end which I think uh, I recollect cost about 650 quid which was an awful lot of money if you're in the early 13th century. And we also, to go with the historical dates, we've had dendro dates done, dendrochronology dates, in other words, dates um, of the tree rings from timbers embedded in the stone walls, which put us in exactly the same time frame and prove that that building was built uh, in the reign of Henry III, as I say, in the late 1230s. Okay, so we've come down from the Castle Mott, we're at the bottom of the steps, and we've just gone round a bush, and we're back looking at the the main door again, but in front of us is this kind of interesting-looking little structure that looks like a wishing well. So there's a semicircular grill over a little pond with no water in it, and a kind of stone arch behind it, and it's known as the well, but what most people don't realise is that although that dates to the 1920s, Underneath it, but the access has been closed off for years, is the real castle well. And I have not been down it, but I've seen it and measured it. And it's about 20 metres, 70 feet deep, down to water level, which is down at river level, and it's in perfect condition. And I always hope that one day Shrewsbury Castle will find some philanthropist to give them an absolute fortune and we'll be able to open up the real medieval castle well to daylight once again and everyone can see it and love it. But that's one thing. What we're going to do now is we're going to kind of walk in an anti-clockwise direction around the inner bailey perimeter... So we're off along the asphalt path at the foot of the slope up to the mott and it's a lovely day and everyone is intent on their picnics and we've got these fantastic shrubs and trees on our right and the level lawns on our left and we're now going to go and look at the little sandstone building on the far side of the inner bailey. And we're now standing in front of the little sandstone gatehouse, which is directly opposite the main entrance into the castle. And what we're looking at is very obviously a little tiny gatehouse. Uh, and there's a window at first floor level and a semicircular arch over the passage. And there's a fantastic oak door on the, at the far end of the passage through the archway. And we can't go into it because basically that's Gardner's HQ. And you can see from the wheelbarrows and the hoses that this is basically... Don't tell anybody. That's where the gardeners hide when the public is here. Um, uh, but we know it's a postern gate, a pedestrian gate, and we know it was built in 1643 to 44 because we still have the bills for it. Um, it was built by the royalists when they occupied the castle before they were turfed out by the parliamentarians in the English Civil War. 
either side of this little gatehouse, you've got the curtain walls, the perimeter enclosure walls of the inner bailey, and those on the left of the gatehouse are crenellated. They've got the kind of standard battlements that you associate with castles. And it's been said for years and years that these date to the late 12th century, the late 1100s. But when we were digging here last year, 2019, we began to have a look at the, the curtain walls inside and out and when you do that, you realise just how complicated they are. They are classic bits of a historic stone building. They've been changed, rebuilt, repaired, rebuilt again, repaired again, and nobody has ever quite sorted out which bits are 200 years old, which bits are 100 years old, which bits are 300 or 500 years old. That's all work to be done in the future. The only bit which we can date uh, is on the outside of a curtain wall close to the regimental museum where you actually have a date stone that says 1987 Uh, and I can remember that basically uh, part of the castle wall fell down and had to be repaired then but that's the only section which we can be confident dates to a particular year in history and from the little gatehouse we've just walked past the great golden eagle in the shrubbery the eagle from Minden Barracks, Cologne And we're now standing in front of what a lot of people call the Great Hall, uh, which is this fantastic red sandstone building dating back to the early years of the 13th century and the reign of Henry III. And we know from the historical evidence that it wasn't a hall in the sense of a feasting hall. This was all the king's private apartments. I mean, there's a nice pointed Gothic-looking door straight in front of us, which is the main entrance into the museum. Sadly, that dates to about 1925, but it's in the position of the original main door, and it's one of those buildings which is arranged in kind of classic medieval pattern, which is that um, all the the services, the, the kitchen and the, the place where you would store food, would be at the drafty end of the building where the main entrance was, and they would refer to that as the low end of the building, and the most private, the most prestigious, the best heated, the nicest views were to be had at the opposite end of the building which would be known as the high end and that's probably where Henry III if he came to Shrewsbury because they travelled around a lot that's where he would have uh, slept overnight and entertained his very most important guests but we can add a bit more to this picture from the archaeology because when we did our geophysical survey in 2019 the ground penetrating radar picked up a kind of a, a track a series of uh, like footprints stone blobs under the turf extending out from the main entrance to the regimental museum across the lawn and to the edge of a mot and what we think that was was uh, the foundations of a stone bridge which is how you would have got over the big ditch around the base of a mot basically where the flat 
lawn is now and up the slope of the mott to the top of the mott and it's on top of the mott that the king had his feasting hall. So if you or I were visiting and we were not particularly honoured guests but were nevertheless invited in, you know, in 1200 and something, we would probably not have been allowed in the king's private apartments, which is where the regimental museum is now, we'd have been marched up the bridge, across the ditch, onto the top of the mott where the king had a feasting hall. And we found something quite intriguing when we were doing some survey work in 2019 as well, which is that the top of the mott, uh, which we've just come down from, is at... Uh, an altitude of 80 metres above sea level. Now, bear with me, this sounds like very anoraki, but there, there is something interesting about that. Because when you go back into Shrewsbury Town Centre, you have, as the earliest points in Shrewsbury Town Centre, two hilltops. One of them has got St Mary's Church on now and had a monastery on the side of St Mary's and the Royal Palace, which stood for hundreds of years, known as the Aula Coronata, where St Mary's is, and that was at 80 metres above sea level. And there's a second hilltop further away on which stood the church of Old St Chad's, which was a monastery founded by the Bishop of Lichfield, and the Bishop of Lichfield had his hall, and guess what? That hilltop is at 80 metres above sea level. So it rather conjures the prospect that when William the Conqueror turned up and was giving his orders to his engineers, he said, OK, chaps, build me a mot there overlooking the river and it's going to have a big defensive ditch around it. Oh, and by the way, I'm not about to be overlooked by anybody else. No Anglo-Saxon reeves or king's hall, no bishops. I want my mot to be of equal height to uh, the two ancient palace sites in the old part of Shrewsbury. And we've now walked just the far end of the regimental museum, the Soldiers' Structure Museum, and we're standing on the rampart, the earth bank, um, on, which stands on the left as you come in through the main entrance into the Inner Bailey. And this is where we are going to be digging in September 2020. Uh, it's the site where the Victorian owner of the castle had some greenhouses standing. But while we're going to dig on that particular site, and we'll probably see the foundations of a greenhouse, what we're really interested in is what lies under those greenhouses. When we had our geophysical survey done in 2019, the geophysicists reported a wall, uh, which I think I can quote them as saying, it's going down to China or something like that. But basically a very, very deeply founded thick wall. And we've been wondering what it is. Is it just part of the greenhouses? Or what I think it is, is one of the walls of St Michael's Chapel. The castle, like all castles, had its own private chapel within the walls, and this is, we think, where it stood. But time will tell, and you have to wait until we peel the turf off and see what's under it. And we've now come up the steps through the front door, uh, paid our admission fee for the Soldiers' Structure Museum, and we're standing looking into the Great Hall, which has 
thousands and thousands of the most fantastic military artifacts all over its walls, in display cases, standing free. If you like old-fashioned regimental museums, if I can dare say that, this is one of the best in the country. Anyway, we're also in part of a medieval castle, and what we have is a stone building open from the ground floor up to the roof and it's got a gallery at one end and a rather fine dark oak low-pitched roof and we know once again from the historical evidence that both the gallery and the the roof over the hall were installed um, after the parliamentarians had got the castle and taken it over um, about uh, 1648, which is a bit of a surprise because the royalists, when they were here, they'd spent money uh, hand over fist on this place and the parliamentarians continued to do exactly the same once they'd taken over. But that is like an overlay because what they were doing was repairing a building which was already a couple of centuries old and was ruined, and they put the roof back on. But fundamentally, this is a 13th century building with the private apartments of a king at the far end and the sort of service quarters at the end by the entrance. So you have these dark red sandstone walls over at the far end to keep the king's feet warm. There is a wall fireplace with a hood to take the smoke up the chimney and out through the roof. There's a series of windows on each side and those on the... Uh, the right-hand side, looking down the length of the hall, are the windows, which you can see overlooking the station yard. And then where there are a couple of big early Union Jack battle standards, there's a gap between the windows, and that gap uh, is significant because it marks a partition which has been taken out but which once went across the width of the building to divide the more lowly low end of the building from the king's private bit at the high end of the building. So if you'd been Baldrick, you'd have been where we're standing now. If you'd been the king, you'd be on the far side of the partition. And at each end, you've got uh, one of the round drum towers. The one at the near end to us, the entrance end, has got the dungeon in the bottom of the tower. And the uh, the far end of the, the building is or has been graced since the 1780s by uh, the mayor's parlour and the circular room below it, um, which were both built in the finest Georgian Gothic style by Thomas Telford, and those are his kind of finest additions to this building. And here we are once again standing outside the Regimental Museum, back in the inner bailey of Shrewsbury Castle. I'm not going to say any more about what the Soldiers of Shropshire Museum contains because it's got such a fantastic collection. It's got something for everybody. And it's, it's just one continuous series of surprises, one after the other. But here we are in the inner bailey once more. And I think the note to end on is that Shrewsbury Castle really is just one of the undiscovered gems of the Welsh marches. It really does have something for the whole family. And I know that sounds like a very tired old cliché, but if you like flowers and you just want a picnic, that's great. If you want to run around and let off steam, you can do that. If you like military stuff, 
that's certainly catered for. And if you're a serious head-banging archaeologist, as an old friend of mine would describe it, there is more than enough for you to, to study and try and figure out. And what is best of all, I think, about Shrewsbury Castle as an archaeologist is that... Nobody knows all the answers. There are no great experts on Shrewsbury Castle because it's still one of the most unexplored parts of the history of this wonderful county town. What an amazing tour that was, leading you up to and around the castle, featuring the amazing Nigel Baker. I hope you enjoyed that. Please make sure you visit originalshrewsbury.co.uk to find out more fascinating voice tours that have been laid out across the town. Thank you very much.